One thing that they did get right in WoW is the, the sparkles. Like, the followed paladins. The, <laughs> no matter what the class actually played like, it was always sparkly and shiny. That is that is very true. The, the sparkles are spot on. They put a lot of men's dresses, and now we all know where Mist is going with this. <laughs> They're not sparkles. We're not talking Twilight vampires here, okay? Can we please just not... Hey, hello and welcome everyone to Ashes Pathfinders, your dedicated and trusted source for all things Ashes of Creation. I am joined today by my fellow Pathfinders and a couple new guests. Let me go ahead and welcome our new guests first. Welcome in, Bartek. How you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me here. Uh, yeah, for so those that don't know me, my name is Bartik. I'm one of the newer content creators here. I uh, just put out my first video uh, today on or last night on YouTube, and I have three more in the works, but I will be streaming Friday nights and Sunday mornings on a regular basis and then a smattering in between whenever there's a lack of content out there. Right on. And uh, Tavern, why don't you welcome, uh, why don't you go and introduce yourself as well? All right. Well, I'm Tavern Side Gaming or TSG if you want to, you know, not have to type all that out. Uh, just another content creator. Um, super focused on community building, so I'm happy to have the opportunity to join Smurg and the rest of these lovely hosts slash guests. So thank you very much for the opportunity, and I look forward to seeing you run. You might know me from my marathon that I'm currently hosting. It's the Content Rewind Marathon where we went back to the very beginning, and we are catching ourselves up. I'm a part of the newer wave of, you know, Ash of Creation enthusiasts. So I found it very helpful. So if you sound, if that's interesting to you, let me know. Stop on by. So there you go. Well, welcome in you two, and uh, welcome our uh, returning Pathfinders. No strangers to the show. Daedalus, how you doing, buddy? Good, good, good to be back. Always a pleasure. Faisal, how we doing? Our social bunny. <laughs> that's right. It's all good as usual. All right, on <laughs> and wondering mist. Welcome back. Hey, good evening, everybody. It's nice to see some new faces, both in the chat and on my screen. Now, uh, look, everybody, I don't, we got a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of familiar names in chat and you're right. Uh, Tavern said it best. We're kind of bringing on some of the new blood, if you will, to the ashes of creation community, or as we call it here, the ashes fam. I have a really great announcement, uh, missed. The forms work on asheshq.com. They do. They I do. I, I know. I uh, I think that these bags under my eyes are slowly starting to like just cut deeper and deeper. But I, I'm actually planning on doing about a page, I think, a week uh, on the website. So if you all haven't uh, already checked it out, asheshq.com, you get about a page a week. I think it's kind of my... I think that's kind of like the goal post right now. I think it's pretty realistic. The forums were like last week's goal. Moving forward, we'll kind of add a page at a time. And again, theory crafting, discussion, and analysis. That's the focus there. So bring your thinker hats and not tinfoil, but thinker hats and bring yourself and your conversations over there. Um, oh, but tinfoil hats are so much fun. I know. We have that for the, that's a Thursday <laughs> show though. We do our looking for more podcasts. We'll, oh, okay. We got some How things. about your tinker hats instead of thinker hats? <laughs> Wait, tank. Did I hear tank? Tinker, tinker, oh, tinker hats. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm getting it confused. We had a uh, 
you know, there's this number you see, you can call into the show and you can, uh, I don't really, why are you laughing, Daedalus? Are you okay? <laughs> why <are> you? <laughs> Nothing, I'm, I just, I feel like I have a tanky McTanker face coming on. I don't know. Wait, what? Tanky McTanker face? Okay, okay. Listen, everyone, we, we got a first time caller, a first time caller, and I'm going to go in and play it. Now, remember, you, you too can call into the show at a one five three nine six six four six eight zero one. Although I think they might have called in a little bit further away. So, gentlemen, please quiet for a moment. I want to go in ahead and let everybody listen to our first time caller. to get him on the show sometime you see because i have so many questions like why is his name tanky mctanker face but i don't know man first time caller what what a person to to bring on especially since uh here recently we did a discussion about the tank archetype but uh if you're not not really too aware of where that um character comes from i just uh say kind of check back i'm sure someone's got the clip somewhere of tanky mctanker face the share but uh Friends, welcome in. Welcome, everybody. Uh, really, really glad to have Sir Tank call in from Vera. That was beautiful. Don't really know how they manage that, but hey, man, hopefully we'll hear from someone else it's over magic. there soon. That's a good can, point. Can I, <laughs> can I, can I say something? You have an extra dimension, right? It's true. probably going across I dimensions. Mean, magic. I don't know, man. What up, Basil? What do you got? I, I can just imagine him saying one voice line is... For Doom Hammer, and just perfect in sync, because his voice is really, really good. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> That's good to hear. Yeah, he would make a great hype man. Right, right before a raid begins, you just set him up and just let him oh, go. Oh yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I have a feeling we'll, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure if we can get the signal over, if we can somehow keep, I think if we can just keep the podcast, the Pathfinder show marching strong. You know, maybe we'll, maybe you'll hear this. Maybe he'll be back with another message sometime in the future. But friends, we've had a lot of new blood in the community. A lot of a lot of people are helping to like carry the torch for Ashes of Creation. It's been it's been great to kind of get some get to know some of the new people. Um, but you know, I always like for the first time having somebody on the show, being able to kind of get to know them a little bit and and to kind of find out what their story is, what's their ashes story we all have ours now everybody that comes on the show you know we ask this question um so i missed i saw you in chat be prepared friend because she's gonna be on soon too but uh oh spoiler alert <laughs> i guess that just happened but uh yeah so i guess we'll go with bard like what's your what's your ashes story what uh kind of caught your attention uh how long have you been following the game uh, you know, what's your Azure story? What brings you into the community and, and what, what excites you about the game? 
Yeah. So, I mean, I'm along with the new hype train, hundred percent lazy peons video got me into it. So huge props to him. He's gotten a lot of new blood into it, which I think is important. You know, we want to see a lot of new eyes on this. And so that's important. That's how I got into it. And, you know, a lot of it just spoke to me. I think uh, his video was recommended to me like the day he released it in my YouTube feed. I watched it. I wasn't really thinking. I was like, oh, this sounds really cool. I'm really into this. And then obviously the rest of the hype came along after. And, you know, he did all, Stephen did all those interviews and all that. Um, and I think it was after I saw Summit's interview that I actually started doing a lot of research into Intrepid Studios. I went, went out and kind of looked at who he's hired and kind of looked at their LinkedIn profiles, things like that, what they've been doing. And he has some really legit people, which really just confirmed it for me that like, this is something I am 100% ready to take a risk on. And it is a risk. We we don't know that the game is going to be uh, everything it's promised, but I'm super optimistic after doing my research and all that. Um, and also what it means for the, the gaming industry in general is super important because this could revolutionize how games and MMOs are developed. And so I started streaming and doing content because I wanted to positively affect this development process. I was hoping I could bring something that would help make this game exactly what we want it to be. So yeah, that's my story. Fantastic. So uh, Tavern, obviously, same question for you, friend. I mean, how do I follow that though? No, but... um. <laughs> So I kind of fall in that same type of, you know, wave that came in, you know, with the Lazy Peons, you know, amazing video, right? He did a great job summarizing all the different concepts that the developers were wanting to put out. Um, I didn't really go at it from like looking into the developer's perspective. What I saw was an opportunity to not only be a part of a community, but to create a community through streaming. And I'm a new streamer, but I've been following, you know, streamers on Twitch for almost six, seven, eight years now. And it's something that I've always been wanting to do just because of the fact that you can touch so many people's lives through streaming. So that's what I saw in Ashes of Creation whenever I looked at all the different social aspects of it, not only just the PvP, right, which can have its both its negatives and its positives, but more so the, you know, the ability to create a node, to be a part of a guild, to be a part of a server, to create your own story, right? All the different things that Steven has kind of shown us right and promised us in his vision every time he talks about it right not only seeing that passion that he feels for those concepts but just how it made me feel as a player right wanting to be a part of those communities and to help create those communities so i'm i'm very community focused that's kind of like the theme of my stream right it's a tavern people come they tell stories they make relationships so this is my attempt to create a community and to be a part of something greater than myself uh awesome you know, anybody that's been around here knows that's what we're all about here is community. So uh, you know, speaking of which, you know, all of you, if you're watching, whether it's on YouTube, uh, if you're listening to it on like iTunes, Spotify, wherever, uh, or you're catching it here live, keep in mind, you know, these are the pathfinders. You see the pathfinders are also the ones that contribute by leaving messages on videos, you know, sharing their thoughts, their feedback. Uh, and uh, all of you here in chat as well. So you're a Pathfinder if you're here with us. And uh, with that being said, let's kind of talk or kind of dig into like our first topic today. Um, we, uh, I was, I looked over the forums and there were a couple points that came up. Uh, one of them actually was brought up by a couple of the gents here. Uh, I think maybe it was Tavern. The uh, There was this node uh, post on the forums. I'm actually, I'm going to kind of talk about that one first. Um, I'm going to link it to everybody in chat too. It's something, it's a node experiment. And, uh, any, anyway, if you all, uh, 
I guess I could say which of you have actually checked this out so far. There's some chat. It's pretty yeah, interesting. So, yeah, so like you said, I, I found this the other day. I can't remember if it was on someone's stream. I think it was might have been Survivor 28s or someone else's, maybe the bard guy. Um, but whenever he like reviewed it, I thought it was just so interesting and mesmerizing just to look at, right, and to watch. And it really does such a great job of visualizing how parent nodes, you know, come to be and how they vassalize other nodes. Mm -hmm. So and I wanted to share it with you all and get your all's, you know, thoughts on it. So especially like the chat's thoughts. Yeah, definitely share it in chat. I mean, it's pretty interesting. I mean, in terms of like it being an experiment, haven't really seen anybody. We've seen people talk about, uh, you know, the different nodes and how that overlap happens. Some people have seen my horrible representation and drawing, which we're not going to share here. Oh, uh, mm -mm. please. Look, miss, no, I know you no. would enjoy that, but no. This I is, would. One time I'm putting my foot down, okay? One time. Oh. It, it's a little anyway, embarrassing. Can find it, link it. No, because no, <laughs> somewhere out there. How, how many subscribers will we need to get you to? No, I can't be bought. <laughs> I can't be bought. <laughs> Yo, much love, TL. Thank you, friend. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Any, any of your thoughts before we kind of move on, but I, I think it's really interesting. I think the community should check it out. Uh, it definitely gives you, uh, kind of some ideas in terms of things like how the nodes generate XP, uh, talking about how, uh, you know, surrounding nodes based on like level type, uh, XP thresholds, uh, even talks a little bit about node sieging and destruction. Um, so it's definitely worth looking at. It would be really difficult for me to outline it any more than that. Um, it's, it's much more of a visual representation. I think is pretty interesting. Um, you really just got to go look at it and kind of, uh, kind of take the information in. Cause again, it is an experiment, um, but definitely worth looking at. Um, but yeah, any final thoughts about that before we kind of move on? I thought it was worth noting, noting today. Yeah. One thing that I, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, Daniel, let's go ahead. Go for it. Well, I guess the one thing that I thought would be really interesting is to kind of see something like this when the game actually goes live and be able to see an interactive map from your server. Not that it's going to give you any clues to, um, you know, anything secret per se, but just being able to see how the world is developing. Um, I think that would be, you know, a pretty neat thing for them to be able to show mm -hmm. and have people be able to explore what's going on in different servers I know I just and it it makes me just think back to the complexity of what I was envisioning when I first heard about the nodes when I saw that first nodes video it's like it I didn't even get how complex this can be I mean this simple model had a hundred different combinations here I mean I can't even imagine you know what the actual number is I think they said it at some point or they at least you know, ballpark it. And it was, I mean, it was a lot of permutations and, and depending on how many servers you have, it's even more so at that point. So mm -hmm. yeah, it, it is a really interesting post and it, it really helps people who may be not kind of getting what the nodes experience is all about, what it actually translates to in terms mm -hmm. of gameplay and the different ways the world can be con configured. Yeah, and my thoughts on it is it it's super cool. Obviously, it is an experiment. Um, when you're looking at when we all come through the portals on a new server, essentially you're looking at like a colonization simulation. Mm -hmm. um, and so early on, this this experiment is a lot more random. But I think players are gonna 
have a lot more say in actually what happens because players aren't as random. They, they, there's a lot of forethought that they're going to put into. So I don't think we'll see as many random iterations once we see exactly how the map and resource layout actually is. Yeah, I can agree with that. I think it'll be interesting just to see how how much diplomacy really does play into this. Are people going to actually be diplomatic and thoughtful in their actions, whether it's trying to gather materials or you know go PvP and just try to kill people, mm-hmm. or will they actually you know focus more on their own growth, their own you know greed, if you want to call it that? This gives us like uh, Bartek was saying a very look at a good look at like a randomized sample that you know comes from a, an algorithm, right? Mm-hmm. But whenever you add in emotion. Whenever you add in, you know, forethought and diplomacy, what would this look like? But one thing that did stand out to me was the first uh, stage six node that popped up pretty much in the top left corner, right? The first pass one, it pretty much stayed there the entire time. So it makes me wonder, will people, will the surrounding nodes actually try to defend the, the, the stage six node, maybe because it offers you know, certain benefits, maybe it's best not to be the, the top node. So there, there'll, be, there'll be a lot of strategizing that really goes into um just which node you want to be a part of i don't think everyone's going to want to be a part of that stage six node as a citizen yeah and i'd be interested oh go ahead Uh, go ahead sorry i don't know i've been talking to a lot of the community in the discord and a lot of them seem to agree that the first thing that people keep doing is to land grab the most and possible possibly as much as possible um I don't see the political aspect until everybody's settled, or at least political aspects among guilds. That's that's understandable, but when it comes to casuals, I don't think they're going to have. And that'll come down to the mayors, though, right? If you have a really good mayor, they're going to be on the diplomacy from the beginning. But if you if you're unfortunate, right, and you get to that person who can get to a stage five, but he's made so many enemies that they just get taken out. Then you're you're kind of out of luck. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Wholeheartedly agreed. But um, like there's still like a lot of split, like a place where a mayor gets just to get to be decided. Like you have like three stages of a node still being developed, make it into a town. So there's still a lot of time and what I hear from uh, people who are testing the pre-alpha. They say that it takes quite an XP amount to to make them level up. So yeah, and that that's kind of my concern. I can see what you're saying with the land grab, but I think that's going to come after the first bubble of max levels, because you're going to have to stay close to a huge population and really build up a node to actually reach max level, because you need to get yeah. that node to tier five or six to actually efficiently have quests and monsters to kill to get to max level and then after that you're going to see this massive expansion it's just like colonization you know everyone was in their main cities and then once everything was settled then it's like okay everyone truck west now Mm -hmm. yeah i'm just wondering how um oh go ahead go ahead mist sorry just (laughs) on Bartik's point it will be interesting because at the moment we don't know how much um gating there will be in terms of the leveling the node progression we know that as the node levels up it gives you access to higher level monsters but we don't know whether you can for example get to max level on a character without having access to a metropolis so that yeah that's something to keep an eye on definitely under speculation for that but 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think resource scarcity is going to play a role here too because I think even though it might take a while on its own just for a node to level up, you're going to need resources to be able to level that node to build certain things, I would imagine, right? I don't think it's just an experience thing because mayors are going to need to manage resources in the node to be able to, and they're going to make choices on what buildings they're going to build to ensure the node is successful. So I think there's that, I think the following of the resource or follow the money, that's where people are really going to, I think, start in the kind of the, you know, in the early game, I think, you know, definitely politics will come later once there's some ebb and flow. But I think ultimately the economy is, has a potential of being a really huge player here um, in terms of where people are migrating because they're going to want to gather whatever resources they need to level level their homes. And if something gets, you know, threatens that, they're going to take action, right? I think that's the intent at least. So uh, that's where the emotional piece comes in. But at the end of the day, it's also a practical thing because they're going to be looking for the types of resources that are going to help them get the most advantage. Resources, relics, any type of, you know, value is, is going to be what people are going after over and above maybe leveling a node is going to be secondary to that because ultimately people want to be able to have some sort of advantage. And I think the way you're going to get it initially is just by having a good amount of resources or at least a good flow of resources. So to your point, Dados, um, I think it's really just important just to keep it in perspective that everyone early on is going to need the same resources, right? And that's going to be such like a huge cause of friction between the nodes because the nodes are going to be fairly close together until they start, you know, the nodes start progressing in their stages. And then it's going to be even more so because then nodes are start or will be getting vassalized and people are going to be getting salty. And it, it's going to it's going to be an interesting cause of friction. And I, for one, can't wait to see it. Right. Some some guilds are just going to start. I think they will start out very heavy with PVP, whether it's like ganking other nodes, preventing them from getting resources, um, keeping their, you know, other nodes just completely locked out. So it's going to be interesting to see how that shifts between the different nodes themselves. If guilds try to control multiple nodes, even if only to prevent those nodes from like progressing, like maybe sabotaging other nodes. So I think some people think like the early nodes are going to be very calm and peaceful. I think it's going to be cutthroat, like honestly, myself. They'll have to be, because once you become a vassal node, you cannot like declare war on your parent nodes. Like you're locked in. Once Mm -hmm. you become a vassal node, you're locked in unless and that's where the kind of intrigue comes in, because then if you want to, if you're part of a vassal node and you want to take down your parent node, mm-hmm. you're going to have to go to a competitor parent node and say, look, I'm going to help you now to take down this parent node so that I can then rise up. Um, which, mm-hmm. of course, creates diplomacy and the intrigue and and mm. the conflict there. So we'll have to see how that whole situation plays out. Yeah. One of the one of the pillars of the game, meaningful conflict. Yeah, and I think I, I think there's gonna be a lot of undetermined stuff on server launch, and then as, as the game goes on, we're definitely gonna establish politics and alliances and things like that. And at that point, then it's gonna be a lot harder to see a lot of quick change. Instead, you're gonna get like very thought out wars and um, hostile takeovers and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. 
Daedalus was talking about breadcrumbs and what a good segue into the dev discussion number 21, which was on the forums. And that was quest breadcrumbs. Now, here's the question. And again, friends, if you're catching this later now, whatever, we're always welcome welcome to checking out uh, what your thoughts are, especially the more compelling ones. Uh, sometimes I gather those from, didn't this week, but sometimes I gather those from Reddit, from uh, YouTube videos uh, over the week here in chat. Um, and the dev discussion number 21 uh, said, what is your opinion on quest breadcrumbs? Now, this is target location highlighted. Uh, quest givers with icons over their heads, etc. cetera. Uh, how much is too much and how much is too little? What do you, what do you all think in no particular order here? Well, in my opinion, uh, I'm okay with some kind of quest marker. It's just ease of use. It, like, it doesn't make sense that you have to click on every single NPC to see if there's some kind of chat dialogue. Just that almost takes you out of the game, in my opinion, because you're talking to people you wouldn't normally talk to. So I'm okay with like quest markers, maybe not necessarily the question mark or exclamation system, but something more subtle and more immersive. But also, in my opinion, I don't want too much information, but I kind of like the idea of less and less information. The higher tier the quest is, the more rewarding the quest is, the more you actually have to go through and figure it out yourself. Whereas these basic quests that are just like, go here, collect these things and bring it back to me, I think can give basically as much information as is necessary. Like a not maybe not a path, but a marker on the map that says like, yeah, over here, go kill a bunch of monsters and then come back. Yeah, I was actually seeing something in chat that I tend to agree with. I do like the idea of being able to choose. Um, a game I was kind of jumping into recently just because it was on sale was uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. And one of the first choices you make before you start the game is what kind of experience do you want? Do you want quest markers? Do you want things shown on the map? Or do you want something more exploratory? And to me, what would be ideal is a toggle, but in lieu of that, some sort of balance mm -hmm. um, where you like, you know, what, uh, you know, Bartik just mentioned is, you know, having some quests that are just kind of basic that you're going to kind of get those markers for or at least get enough of an indication to know where to go and others you're just going to discover along the way. I mean, I would really, um, you know, one of the most fun experiences I've had in kind of mainstream gaming in terms of MMOs was being able to do one of those quests in WoW where you had to do certain things to get a mount and it was all about talking to certain people, dialogue options open up if you do the right steps. Um, so that was just a really cool experience for me and it was non, you know, it was not my normal experience from a WoW perspective. So I do like that idea of having options and yeah, for like special quests and the thing in chat here, great um, point legendary top quest should be something that's discoverable because it's not something everybody's going to be able to do and you want the server to kind of discover that together and whoever gets the quest is going to be the server's champion to be able to do that uh so yeah i i like the idea of balance or player choice right if if this is a game that's predicated on player choice then i would yeah. say player choice to beat would be the way to go I agree with that. Um, almost 100%. I love the idea of a toggle just because there are casual players who may not have the time to look for every single breadcrumb. And I think breadcrumb was a very, 
it was very very good word choice from the developers who ever put it out maybe it was toast but i feel like that's what a quest is right you know for the for the normal person who is able to de dedicate some time to the game right you're on a quest you're on a journey not everything is about f getting that quest experience or getting the reward the journey in and of itself is sp supposed to be an experience right now maybe that can be safe for the narrative you know style quest the overarching you know theme and that like shows us the lore of the game right i would love to see like that type of ideal stick to to the narrative quest now the tasks that the steven has talked about before go kill go kill 20 of these creatures bring back their pelts right okay maybe they can say hey go over to this forest and then bring them back right so like like everyone has been saying, right? There's different tiers of quests that I can think that you can either give more breadcrumbs or less, depending. But if you want the players to truly experience it, let them do it themselves, right? Build that community. Let them rely on their friends, their guildmates, or those champions, like Deodos was saying, right? Don't baby us. I mean, we can we can do it. It might be tough. It might take some time, but we have it within ourselves to overcome these challenges. So that's what's going to make memories. Oh man. If you think. If you think about WoW, right, or RuneScape or any of these other games, people are just clicking, clicking, clicking. And when these developers spend so much time not only on the art of the world, but on these quests, on the lore, and you're, you're you deprive yourself of that just to get to the to the end goal. It, yeah, that's all yeah, I gotta say. Totally, totally agree with that. Yeah, someone was saying in chat about the auto pathing, and I'm like, oh, trigger. I'm trying to avoid it. <laughs> I'll save this for Thursday on the Looking for yeah. More podcast, man. I get. I, I bring it up. Oh my god, dude! I cannot stand that. Oh, okay. We've always had uh, games that will try and just uh, get you as quickly as possible from A to B. Yeah, and it seems to be becoming more and more common, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, regarding this topic with the breadcrumbs, mm -hmm. really, we've got two different points here. First of all, we've got the whole aspect of accepting a quest. I think there does need to be some kind of indicator for that because, uh, as you guys have said, you don't want to be going around talking to every single NPC in the town looking for quests. That's that's pointless. Yeah, so give us some kind of indicator of which NPCs have quests. I see no problem in that. Mm -hmm. After that, when you're actually completing a quest, <sighs> it's a slippery slope. There's a fine line. I feel the way, for example, WoW does it and, and other games like that do it, where they literally highlight on the map, go to this specific location and you'll find the the quest objective there. I think that's too much. I think it needs to be more subtle than that. But then if you have... Um, so it, it bakes into how the quest is worded. If you look at WoW quests just as an example the reason why they have these sort of markers on the map that are really blatantly obvious is because the quest text is absolute garbage and useless information for you and in fact i remember back in uh tbc when you first started and they didn't have these big markers on the map at that time um you would read the quest text and it would be blatantly wrong like the quest giver will tell you oh go northeast of my location and the quest objective would be to the south. So what like if if you're going to have sort of very minimal quest markers like that in terms of where you need to go to complete a quest, then you need to make sure that the quest text is done right and there needs to be or some other way of following those breadcrumbs without a huge marker on the minimap. 
Yeah, I think another thing to note too is the reason we have quests like this now, where you have like potentially even a line that just you just follow the line and you go to it, is because of add-ons. And people developed add-ons to make it super efficient to level to the point where the game developers basically made it so well, why should we make you have an add-on that you're got, that everyone's going to get anyway, but it's a, is an addition to the game rather than a, just a feature of the game? So just having no add-ons to begin with will actually give you the option to have meaningful quest text and meaningful quests. Well, I mean, if we're talking about WoW, the, the add-ons, like, again, going back to sort of vanilla WoW and even TBC, you needed those quest add-ons because the quest text was so bad, and that was the only way of really doing it. So... Blizzard really created the problem themselves, and then the players fixed it in their own way, and then Blizzard thought, oh, okay, that, let's just carry on with this, instead of actually fixing the problem, which was with the, the quest text, and actually giving players a way of going through a quest without having to rely on add-ons. And I think Miss brings up an excellent point, in that, one, you have to get the, the text right, but you can do it in interesting ways that will get the players involved. Right. You have you can think of like different artifacts that are laying around or maybe a book in a library that until you level up a scientific node, you can't unlock that quest because or it gates that quest until you can find a, a, a certain stage scientific node that has a library. Right. Because the book is in the library. So it can create very interesting avenues for players to be immersed into the world instead of saying just go to this place. Right. You have to find a book inside of a library. So by incorporating the world around you, I think it can make for some really interesting gameplay. Yeah. And and you can use those as different starting points, right? So from that book that you find, okay, now it tells you in this certain region or certain node or this certain type of animal, you can get this thing that you need for the quest, right? You can actually place breadcrumbs in interesting ways instead of, okay, it's another NPC who's going to point me with an arrow to the next spot, right? Yeah, you got it's, some. It's not even. It's it's not just that as well. Like, okay, I have two examples here. You have Final Fantasy and Elder Scrolls Online. Elder Scrolls Online, when they give you a quest, they literally tell you a specific area, and in that specific area, they highlight the marker of the person that you need to kill. I'm like, mm. you could have just highlighted the area and I'd be cool with. Final Fantasy does the exact same thing, but does not highlight it for you, which I kind of like Wait, more. They they do yeah you have uh if you've done the side quest missed uh <laughs> i mean final fantasy is literally go here collect this go there do that and it, it i i i don't like final to me final fantasy is literally the it's one of the worst i would even say it's worse than wow in terms of the way the quests are delivered but that's a whole another issue i could go back I mean, thinking about that yeah <laughs> but I'm, I'm talking i'm talking about the like ping system where where it shows you the quest and where you mm -hmm. need to go hmm. uh, final fantasy just shows you an area of where you need to go and where you can find these creatures but other than that they don't tell you specifically what you need to Kill. Except they do. I mean, Ninja Tank in chat has just said it. They have literally yeah. a marker over the mob's head of which mobs you need to kill. Do so, they? Did I just yes. not realize it all this time? Yeah, they do. I guess I... like <laughs> so used to seeing it, right? We, that's what we get away from. <laughs> I, I, thought, I, thought, I thought that was just a part of the monster, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes, this giant arrow, this powerful monster. Yes, absolutely. Man, uh, but just a little bit that to get, get back on topic. Um, if you don't give enough information, then you're going to create this meta where people are always playing with some website on another screen that they're just mm -hmm. following anyway. So you kind of have to give enough that it feels good to play, but if you make it too difficult for a lot of the normal quests, then you know it breaks the immersion because you're constantly looking at some other screen or minimizing. Well, yes, yeah. and that's that's the difficulty. Mm. And there have been games that have gone to that extreme. I mean, you think of... Uh, I don't know if any of you played uh, Secret World or Secret yeah. World Legends. Yep. That game, the questing was incredibly in-depth and incredibly hard for a lot of people because there, yeah, there were no indicators at all. You had to mm. literally... And, and some of the quests were so obscure that you had to literally dig through uh the game in order to find the solution to the to the problem in order to complete quests and that to me is um too much in my opinion yeah there's a there's this uh game in development and uh it's called saga of leucemia and this game is one uh, for example that is like you 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 basically start out and you just gotta find it all like there's no markers I mean, you get a quest. There's nothing telling you where. It's just, it's in the description of the quest. You have to read it carefully, and you have to use that to navigate. And so that's like one end of the spectrum where you've got other games. It's like a marker over everybody's head. We'll give you a highlighted area on the map. Um, you know, so it's like that that finding that happy medium to where you know there's enough information to keep you in the right you know point in the right direction, but that you're not having to grind. You're heading to the screen just trying to figure out where something's at. Um, One thing that I did think of, though, it's going to be really interesting for the developers to balance quests, just because if you need if you need to complete a quest that requires another node, you never know what what stage a node is going to be at. So it's kind of interesting if they do try try to gate quests in that way, um, because it could mean that it's the it's a very hard quest normally, but you have that node right next to you. So for you, it's very easy. Or it could be on like the other side of the continent. So it's going to be interesting to see how the developers try to treat node to node quests. So true. I'm looking forward to see if they can balance that. That's one thing too about the you know one one massive part, another pillar. We've hit literally on three different pillars today. We've hit on uh, the one of them recently was player agency having choice and then now we're talking about the narrative the story and a lot of people want to know about the story ahead of time and we've got just i mean breadcrumbs literal breadcrumbs in terms of talking about the pantheon and even in up until and something that steven and the team have been very adamant about is up until the game's launch the story is going to be just kept close to the chest you're not going to get a whole lot of information about the lore up until the day we're all playing that game and then the interesting element to that is each server having this element of an alternate reality is going to be contributing to the overall meta narrative that's going to be developed by us as the players because when you talk about mm -hmm. nodes unlocking different types of uh you know elements within their zone of influence and everything different types of uh dungeons potentially monsters bosses etc um you know things are going to be unlocked and this is a one of the beginning times when the game is brand new 
is a really interesting thing for anybody who's never experienced it. Um, being those people that are pioneers or in, a, in our situation, pathfinders, such as we are, uh, are we, we're journeying into this world and we're all unlocking the different story elements and as a massive community putting this together um, and how much of that's going to change over the course of the game's lifespan will be very interesting to see, especially in terms of how the node system is going to contribute to the all. Don't look at Chad. Don't look at Chad. I'm champion of champions. Woodship coming in with 10 gifted subs. Much love, homie. Really appreciate you. Got to announce you for showing so much love to the show. Um, yeah. So we got a question. Or we got a comment here. Uh, got to be completely honest. As a lore hound, that is what intrigues me so much about this game. Basic lore to start. Players unlock the actual story. And from what I understand, it's incredibly deep. And that's coming from Lore Seeker Cash, one of the two lore seekers in chat who are going to get a, a shout out here. They do a really amazing podcast. For the Elder Scrolls Online, they have supported this community for a long time. So if you're listening to this, uh, definitely check them out if you're into that game. They're really great peeps. Uh, but that's the thing about this game that has always intrigued me, was that element of this, the story. The story being unlocked in the way that it's going to be. And this overarching meta story that we put together. I mean, that's one element here on this show specifically that is going to be what we cultivate, right? When this game is live, my goal is to bring Pathfinders from different servers who can contribute to this greater story of what happened in their world as they you know, progress through the game and putting it all together. And, and that's, to me, such an interesting thing to be able to do. It's not something, I mean, the beginning of a game launching is, is a really cool time period to be a part of if you've mm. never experienced it it's it's really really cool i can't stress that enough it was cool with the elder scrolls online <clears throat> it was cool with uh world of warcraft it was cool with terra and rift and star wars the old republic and it's it's a one-time only thing so for the people that are here that get to pioneer that it's just amazing to be able to be a part of that and this game specifically is going to offer something very unique in that in that point of view i think um, so I think it's really, yeah. really amazing on that, on that yeah. note as well, um, from what they've said about legendary quests, uh, legendary quests will unlock lore. And so there's potential that we won't actually see some of this lore until yep. like months or years yep. after launch. So we may still have that one time event even after launch. So like, there's a chance that this game will be more than just like that hype on launch, you'll also have that hype during the game as well. So that that has a lot of potential, in my opinion. Well, that's the idea. That's what they're aiming for. Just going back to uh, Law Seeker's mm -hmm. point, I, when it comes to law and sort of uncovering it, I actually really like, and I, I hope that Ashes will take a little bit of inspiration from ESO on this, because when you're questing in ESO, Yes, if you only care about completing the quest and just want the bare minimum of information, you can do that. Yeah, and there are certain dialogue trees where you can just uh, uh, get the quest information that you need and then move on. But then there are always additional 
pieces of uh, information, additional dialogue trees, that if you are interested in more of the background or more of the law of a particular situation, you can investigate those parts as well. So that there's something for everybody in there, I feel. And I, I really like that kind of system where it gives the players the agency, like, are you more interested in this particular topics? Follow this dialogue tree. If you don't, that's fine. Just go and do the quest. No problems at all. I I really like that. Honestly, it's very very handy. Not handy, but it's it's nice. It's nice. I like it. One thing that Bartek made me think of was whenever you're, he was talking about, and you as well, Smirk, is creating like not only the lore for your server, but if you think about it in terms of how our servers will be, will be lined up. And we all have that same base star, but it's almost like a multiverse, right? And then when we hear about these other, you know, universes creating their story and what they are encountering, I wonder what cause of what cause of conflict that will create on our own servers, right? Will we want to go to a war with a particular like metropolis in order to unlock a particular a particular legendary for ourselves, right? So that'll be interesting to see like some of those crossover, how that crossover information really uh, spreads between the different servers when we hear about the different lore of the different legendary weapons that could un unlock. So I'll be following that quite clo uh, closely. Yeah. And then you got like the social organizations, the religions, you got mm -hmm. all these elements. I don't know about you all, but I want to know about, I want to, I am here. Okay. This is a question in terms of a lore based on what you know, and I'm a, I'm a huge lore nut too, especially when it comes to, when you talk about mythology and things like that in games, I mean, some people know about it. Some don't. I've been working on a story of my own for years and I love lore. I love putting the other myths specifically. And the thing that's really interesting uh, about this one is like they, they give us these snapshots about like Dilia's diary and the pantheon of the gods and I, that whole celestial battle that ensued that, that whole component, uh, the, the fleeing from Vera, you know, going to Sanctus and everything for me, the thing I am most interested at this time in learning about and having to be able to discover now is we're coming back through these divine gateways when the game starts. And as we return, uh, thousands of years have passed. Right? Keep in mind that what caused the people to flee in the first place to this land or this world devoid of magic with nothing is that they were escaping this corruption, like the, the harbingers. Uh, and so I want to know uh, more about the harbingers. Are they what I have hypothesized and, and just what played out since everybody left? Like how, what was, what was the history of the planet and, and everything that occurred after that? So that's me. But what about you all? What are some things that in terms of lore or what you know about the story that you are most interested in learning about when you come back? Tolnar. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to them? What's happening to us? Who knows? So yeah. <laughs> one thing that I think that Blizzard has done incredibly well with their lore of the game is keeping it fairly consistent, but also providing means of seeing feed, uh, not feedback, but providing like flashbacks to the lore so you can actually experience it as it happened right i mean there, there would be some type of recording or some type of you know memory from a god but you'd be able to experience it firsthand and not just necessarily read from a book and i think that is incredibly immersive um but aside from that 
I hope that the developers can add some of that into the game. But I love the fact that developers are thinking of the lore so much, right? Whenever they release the Battle Royale Apocalypse, like I didn't think about it until someone pointed it out. That ties directly into the lore, right? There was a, a reason for that situation to have occurred, right? Those people that were not able to get through the Divine Gate were pushed out, and now they're fighting for their lives. And I thought I thought that was incredibly cool. But yeah, I'm a I'm a huge lore buff, and them withholding information just makes me even more excited. Not frustrated at all. I, I'm so excited to, to be able to go through the quest and to unlock this. One thing I hope to see in the game um, is interaction between mortals and the gods. Like, and even gods taking mortal form and you not knowing it. And like that being kind of a plot twist situation, I would like to see kind of lesser deities pop up as well. And, and I don't know how complex the religion system is going to be, but I would like to see some element of like a religious node development, meaning if you have a particular deity, that particular deity becomes more powerful. Right. So I, I just like the idea and I'm, I'm with Sim, right? I'll, I want to know about the Pantheon mythology, you know, from when I was a very young age, always fascinated me. Um, so just kind of being able to kind of know more about that and kind of have that interplay between the mortals and, you know, the, you know, the Titans of the world, I think would be really a really cool thing to be able to experience and be able to go down the path of too, right? Because we're talking about quests before where it's all like the basic stuff, like go gather this, go find this person, you know, ex go kill this monster. But the reality is there's also going to be more personal stories, right? That you're going to be able to follow depending on how much time you want to invest in your religious path or your class quest or other things like professions too. So it'd be really interesting to kind of see what they do with the religious aspect and how that has an effect not only on the your character but on the world too and what you're experiencing. Mm -hmm. Yep. For right. sure. You know what I'm most interested in when it comes to the law? Yeah. Mm. Apparently there's gonna be law around respawning. I am so curious about that. Like, oh man. Seriously. Oh, How... <laughs> do you mean the difference between like the corruption and like normal people? Like whenever they no, die? No, no. Or... Just like I when you direct respond quote from the wiki, there is a storyline that relates to how and why characters respawn and the locations in which they yeah, respawn. Right. So I have never known a game to actually mm -hmm. put that into law. It's just a game mechanic, right? Yeah. But now we're suddenly getting various mm -hmm. purgatory. Yes, maybe mm -hmm. that is true. Maybe we're all in purgatory. Yo, oh no, I'm not trying to live that reality. But I will say this: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I don't want, I don't want any part in that, man. Like I like good dreams and stuff. You know what I'm saying? A little bit of epic. <laughs> I ain't got to be the hero. I just want to do something positive. I'm not trying to live like some Dante's Inferno, you know what I'm saying? So, but with that, with that, that being said, though, you know, I'm so tempted to bring it up again, Sim, but I won't. Thank you, I appreciate that. <laughs> I could, I could, I could imagine Sim being on a beach house, like sipping on his drink, then fucking goes back to reality real quick. What the shit? No. <laughs> Listen. Why? Oh, why did I take the blue pill? All right. <laughs> listen Faisal look you you're talking about wanting to hop around in game and be the social bunny 
leaving a trail <laughs> of, of bunny. I don't know what, what, what kind of brands those are, but <laughs> you know, you know what though? The thing about that, that respawn point thing is you've seen it, right? And it's uh like a crystal. Wait, yeah, it's on the four. That's, that's the point. Yeah, it's like you can go back way. to the four. Did you respawn when you died in the testing? D- different places, but you can see some of them in the the footage on the four K video. Like I can talk about this. I can tell you that they were in multiple places from the testing and everything. And you can go and look at it yourself too, because Steven and the team that are in that same video, running around that four K footage on their on their YouTube, uh, you can see these like in one specific spot, I was talking about this, it's this crystal. And this crystal was in the center of the portal divine gateway in APOC. That, Mm -hmm. you remember that big massive crystal, they look the Mm -hmm. same. And so there have been some people, this is just, just a thought. And it's this idea that, you know, well, you also have to think that there's magic and you're imbued with magic when you come back to Vera so is that crystal has something to do with the soul, the, 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 you know, the energy that you have, the power of magic, because over in Sanctus, there's nothing you come through and you've got, you're just infused with, with magic now. So I don't the know. Power chat. Magic. It's kind of interesting between the divine portals and the mages. They've opened this doorway to other dimensions yeah. and other worlds. So that has a lot of potential there mm-hmm. for a lot of cool aspects. And like I like this is just a thought, but like if they ever have to do a server merger because server populations are getting too slow, I hope mm-hmm. they do like the world starts getting destroyed again. A bunch of mages have to come together, put up a portal, and then everyone goes through the portal to this new dimension or something like that. But I, I hope they keep I hope they keep on that interdimensional thing because I think there's just so much possibility for lore and cool things to happen there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always wonder that too. Like, where were the the harbingers, like the ancients, the the others that they talk about sent to? Uh, I always kind of envisioned it being like this, uh, you know, the Superman movie, the one with Christopher Reeves, where you know he's like the uh, Zod and the and the and his troop. They come back and they're in mm-hmm. like this glass panel that shatters and they're released. And you know, I'm like, were they sent to like, you know, were they sent to another uh, dimension? You know, I mean, look, Tanky McTankerface was able to communicate with us, so I'm guessing that the mages on Vera have already <laughs> figured out a way to communicate. <laughs> to it. I can't, oh, I can't. I was trying to make it work. <laughs> I just don't shake your heads at me. It's entertainment. One thing about the lore, though, that really made me think was so supposedly the three, right? The three evil gods were turned, like the other seven turned on them because these three taught the ancients about, you know, the essence of yep. about magic. And then they, the they used that to corrupt things, right? But then after they were cast out, the other seven went and just did the exact same thing. Right, they they taught the four races after they made them about magic and stuff. So it's yep. like, how will that affect us whenever we come back into the world? We know that there was a great civilization beforehand, so they were able to contain themselves from creating that magic. But it makes you wonder: is there will there be some type of ancient or legendary quest line where maybe if you're following the evil gods, like one of each race can come together in order to help summon them again? So that'd be really cool. Yeah. Because it's, I, I, I think that they were my, my theory, my working idea is that they were sent into some, some realm, some other plane of existence, and somehow found a way back through. I think that probably 
those three gods that that were sent away with the other like the others in the ancients i think that they figured a way out to br- to bring to get back through because there's still gods too i don't know what, to what degree their their power in, in that realm is but i mean i mean i know seven out outnumbers three but still you're talking about these these gods these deities so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out and yeah I'm very, very curious to see how corruption plays. Uh, I mean, we know how it plays in terms of PvP and getting corrupt and that impacting you as a player. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've seen like that troll. Uh, if you go to the wiki or whatever, and I've got it and I can throw it to you in Discord here and our community if you want to check it out, which is what? Discord.gg forward slash just my name. I know. Self promo. Join it. Join us. We chat about Ashes stuff all the time, and uh, this is one of those places where I can kind of just dump those things. Um, and uh, it's like a troll, and it's like a kind of like spinning, and there's like the half of the body that's corrupted looking. And so it's I, I've always thought it would be really cool to understand from a lore perspective how that ends up playing a role in how players accrue corruption. We know from a game mechanic reason for that and everything, but like how much of that might also tie over into lore for us as players. I mean, that's just a whole nother layer and how that could tie potentially into the narrative. So there's so many layers to this. And uh, my understanding is the the lore for this universe is going to be great. Um, yeah, I'm just, I could go on about this all day long, but let's, I'm going to try to bring it back here, bring it back. But talking I, I about, yeah. to, I want to see what's it called. The ruins of, of uh, ancient cities yeah. before the corruption thing. Like I want to see the history mm. of this world before it actually got destroyed. Right. That's. I feel. I feel that's interesting because True. you also see like uh-huh. political level of between the dwarves to the orcs and stuff like that. Because as we know, there isn't really an alliance like uh, in World of Warcraft. Oh, you right. have the horde, you have the alliance. Uh, so it would mm-hmm. be very interesting how how we would look at these in the past. Yeah. I just have one quick comment, Samir. I yeah. think it'd be interesting if they tied questing into the corruption system as well, because Steven has talked so much about player choice, right? It'd be interesting mm-hmm. if you can make maybe a couple of choices to how your quest ends, and this could be personalized. It doesn't have to, everyone has, doesn't, everyone does not have to have the same quest ending, right? Mm-hmm. Now this would be very complex, so it's probably not going to happen, but it would be interesting if you choose to do like the evil path, right? You get, you gain a little bit of corruption that you have to work off, because we know corruption how it affected those back before the fall, it, it it whispered to their minds, right? It kind of corrupted them from within. Mm-hmm. So it'd be interesting to see if like corruption could work its way into the quest line and influencing a player's decisions, right? If they wanted to choose like the evil route, they they could do so, but they would just get a little corruption. So Yeah, I like it. It it would, it would add some flavor to it. For sure. Uh so speaking about stories, um I'm curious. I we haven't really explored this some some of us have visited this i know i mean phase i know social bunny and your your deal i mean we get it but realistically i i think that i'd actually like to kind of explore this a little bit like what do you all kind of envision so far for your in class like role race choice in the game uh what speaks to you as a player as in mm. Yeah, like your, I mean, yeah, your your choice. Like, questions. But... I, I want to be this because I mean, it's a, it's kind of very oh, open ended. Yeah, okay. class fantasy. Yeah. Well, I mean, 
I'm planning on being a bard just because I find not not so much because of the um the lore behind it or the the class identity. I just like the playstyle, uh, the support, the offensive support playstyle. I f find that the most interesting of any role in an MMORPG. Um, whether it will actually play out like that is another matter, but that that's what I'm looking at the most right now. Yeah, I mean, for me, surprise, surprise, I want to play Bard. <laughs> um, and I'm not locking myself into that. I want to see how it plays and all that first. But in terms of races, I'm super interested. Well, I, I got to see how the Tolnar play out first, but I'm super interested in the orcs because these are not your standard orcs. When you actually look at it, you know, uh, I'm blanking on the names right now, but the first race of orcs is basically, it's like more your standard uh, orc race, Rankai. except for one of their. What was that? The Renkai? Yeah, the Renkai. They're more your standard orc race, but then their third attribute is like Serenity or something like that, which is not anything standard from an orc. And then the Vec are something completely different from any real orcs you've seen before. So the Vec to me are super interesting. So as of right now, I'm, I like the idea of a support bard orc, um, and that's probably where I'm going. And somewhere between Songcaller, which is the summoner archetype, and Siren are probably my two types top one siren is the tank arc secondary archetype interesting yeah for me i think it really depends on how the professions kind of pan out so i was really big into arc survival evolve like the oh, not wow. necessarily the pvp servers but the pve servers i think i've put in over 2.2 thousand hours in that and nice. i really love the breeding aspect so going out finding like the dinosaurs with like the perfect stats and then breeding those for mutations to get the best you know on the server and then you can also breed for color mutations which is you know just a little, another fun aspect to it so if if the rangers like tracking ability if it isn't super tied into unique beasts that you can track and find i will probably play rogue but if it is i'll go ranger just for that because i think my playstyle will kind of you know be around my professions However, the the sound of a rogue bounty hunter just sounds so like thrilling to me. Back in whenever they released the WoW Classic, I played rogue for the first time. Before that, I, I was always a healer, like usually a priest. But playing like rogue, it, it was so fun. I loved the PvP style of, of the PvE style of it. Um, just everything about being a rogue was just, it was a lot of fun to me. It really mixed up the meta for how my gameplay was and up until that point. So if if it's if any class can get like the unique beast, I would probably go rogue maybe ranger as like my secondary and then try to build up from there but the race that i would probably go for uh, that's tough empyrean renkai or tolnar probably one of the three depends on the racials and the base stats so uh -huh. i'm very much so a min max whenever i'm first picking a character but then after that i'm kind of open to whatever ideas come you know from that I would say my top two have been from day one, um, fighter something. Um, and I would say fighter bard, fighter cleric. Uh, and, and I think the reason for that is I just really do like melee classes, but I like the idea of, you know, I miss it perfectly offensive support. Uh, I think that that's something that's a really interesting gameplay mechanic to me. That said, um, it's all subject to testing, and I've already got, you know, we have 64 possible class combinations. I think I've mapped out 21 so far. So, 
as far as deciding on a main, that might take some time. But I, at this point, I definitely have had the most fun with an offensive support class. So that's what I would lean towards. And I think what I'm most excited is the class system. And I think somebody mentioned it already here in chat, but all the different ways augments can kind of fill out your play style, religion, um, class, etc. I mean, I think there's just so much customization that I'm hoping for and looking forward to that, uh, that, yeah, I think that's probably the most exciting part is just kind of working on a class build and, and really experiencing how I can change different skills or affect different skills that I have on my uh, main choice. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to tell, I mean, I could sit here and talk about Paladin all day, but we've been doing, <laughs> we've been doing a lot of discussion around that here lately. Not so much the Paladin, more the paint, the tank, uh, Pank, that'd be funny, wouldn't it? The tank archetype. <laughs> pank and I don't pank. know. Sam. Pank and spank. What? You've been going to the dark side recently. Why are we talking? Look behind me. Look behind. <laughs> That's enough. There's no red lights it's today. Alive. The lights are alive. Yeah, the lights are alive. Kind of like the. Never mind. You guys, uh, I have a question for you. I have a question. Oh, you're not going to finish that sentence, Sim? Come on. No. <laughs> so here's my question <laughs> it's all right so theory crafting do you believe it can be beneficial when a game's in development open it oh yeah <laughs> and i'm not even letting you finish hell yeah like yeah man it is of course it is brother what you mean what oh uh... Yeah, no. Am I, I going to be sick in the mud then? Is this this the role that I'm going to fill? Okay, <laughs> fine. Um, <laughs> I can... Like, so the theory crafting, at this point, in, bearing in mind we know hardly anything, relatively speaking, it can <laughs> help to generate hype, but that can also turn into a double-edged sword, and it can put ideas in people's minds and we've seen this on plenty of occasions on all of the different platforms where mm -hmm. somebody gets this sort of fantasy in their head of what their character and what their class is going to be and they're probably going to be sorely disappointed when it doesn't and it probably won't when it um, doesn't turn out like that in the game itself so I think we need to be just a little bit careful when it comes to theory crafting and jumping on the hype train, as it were, uh, and fantasizing about what our characters are going to do and what they're going to be. So, I mean, I, I totally get what you're saying, Mist. I'm, I'm still leaning towards the glass half full argument in the sense that while we do have to temper expectations, I think that's a really excellent point. I think it also allows players especially at this stage in this type of development to actually impact what classes are going to eventually do right we know steven has been very vocal about his vision for the game but he's also open to feedback so i'm hoping that this dialogue um will help them you know not by this i mean in general right theory crafting will help them but I agree, and and this has happened even in games where it's you know there's posted you know class 
overviews with different types of skills. You know, people are still theory crafting at that point when there's actual information available for all the classes and they're still getting it wrong, right? In some cases, or it's it's wrong or it's not meeting their expectations. So I think that's going to be the kind of thing that comes up in any stage of development. It's definitely more tricky at the really early stages, but I do feel like in an open development situation that we have, being able to theory craft does also provide some input that the developers really need to build out the game into something that, you know, could be potentially really special. I think I, I agree with some of Mist and some of the analysis points, but I would say this is the best time to theory craft, right? Theory crafting is about coming up with theories. You're not meant to be correct in necessarily everything that you say. Not only is it that aspect of it, but Yes, we can give people ideas, but we got, we can also share our perspectives with, you know, whoever is willing to listen. Maybe they might change their mind about, you know, p potentially playing a tank or you never know how your perspective will uh, help someone see, you know, some of the possibilities. So I think that's one aspect of it. And then, like Diablo says, it could give extremely valuable input to the developers themselves, right? Maybe they are struggling to kind of make a certain class fit with how with the lore or the play style that they are envisioning so by us sharing that by telling our stories on the forum on you know youtube whatever the form the content takes um sharing those ideas is incredibly valuable to the developers team yes i get that people may be seeing our the content that people are putting out as disingenuous because it's guesses right it's informed guesses by what the developers are telling us but we don't have all the information but that's what theory crafting is about. It's 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 about being right on some points and being wrong by, about a lot, and that's okay. So, yeah. Is that and... theory crafting though, is or or is that just blind speculation? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, speculation is part of it though. From my opinion, you definitely do want to temper expectations because you don't want someone to get the wrong idea about whatever's going on. So being realistic that understanding all of this will change. But on another note, like, you know, it's really cool to fantasize about what is going to be and what you want out of a class and things like that. I mean, we're all here for entertainment, right? Like whether it's the game or these discussions ahead of time, we're here for entertainment and that's entertaining. Like, I, I mean, we're, we all like to role play for a reason and thinking about your class and what it's going to do and all of that, I think is super valuable and super fun as long as you understand that, hey, this may not, all of this could change, I guess. To a missed point about speculation, I don't think it's my job or your job miss or any any player's job to temper expectations i think it's the developer's job to temper expectations by what they finally decide on and put out and we can follow their journey as they progress up to that point but i mean we're players about to embark on a journey into a role-playing game so ultimately what they envision can be different than what we decide how we want to play too so hold on missed hold on a second okay no, listen <laughs> Listen, I read chat. I read that. Don't you don't you frame it like that. Even when Steven was here, you couldn't frame it like that. That's not real. That's not oh, true. Oh my canon I did. Listen, listen. Okay. In chat, they were saying somebody running around with their without clothes on. Okay. I had on, I was shirtless for a little bit. I don't think it was in the video. I was shirtless for a little bit. It's 
It's because the piece of gear didn't show up that I was wearing. It was a cloth piece of uh, armor. It was an epic. And it was Sim, awful. You're not this making party. this any better. It, you're just ticking a hole. Steven, <laughs> look. Okay, public service announcement for my own benefit here. <laughs> Steven was in chat. It was like a, a month or so ago. And we were talking about this. I he didn't I never saw a notification don't loot. What would you do? If you kill a boss, you loot it. Nobody said don't loot it. There wasn't an announcement saying it. And he said in chat, I'ma beat that ass. And then he said And then he said, wouldn't it be funny if when he started playing the game he couldn't loot anything? So if anything happens to me in game day one, please remember this moment. I'm just just for please. As Thank a you. social bunny. Um, I'm going to delete all the evidence. <laughs> <laughs> you traitor. Really? <laughs> you know what? Just for that, just for that next time, I'm going to make sure I've got some, um, bunny stuff here. Okay. Friends. <laughs> uh, is my chest as shiny as, as my head is? I don't know, man. I don't know. I can't confirm or deny that. But friends, we're getting to towards the, the end of the show. Now Faisal's getting a little lower. Um, but I He's not all the way there yet. Not, we've still got two hours. We're fine. Why, <laughs> why, why, you're always pushing the, the limits, you know? And I, I appreciate that about you, except for when you start talking about that stuff where you just <laughs> completely stuff? Yeah, you know, talking oh, about Anyway, anyway, it's okay. I'll just be here on my doing my fishing in my little Nikwa hut. I'll be fine. Otherwise, <laughs> Nikwa in, hut, but not wearing a skirt. What? Anyway, so. oh, <laughs> speaking of which, Z, you know, she was in chat earlier. Does really great claymation stuff. Still, still wondering if we're gonna end up seeing some sort of a model for for Wondering Mist in a. In a, oh. you know, his attire is Nikwa attire anyway. A grass kilt. Nikwa. Yes. A grass kilt. There you go. It's a kilt. It's not a skirt. It's a kilt. There's a difference. Uh -huh. yes. So, you know, uh, yeah, one of the things though is, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm actually really curious about the the magic element within Ashes because I'm I'm a big proponent of hard magic systems where meaning that it comes at a cost. You know, it's not just like, oh, we all have magic and it can. So I'm actually and I mean, what bigger cost is it that if you leave a world, you no longer have access to it at all? Like it's tied directly to the world. And so I'm, I'm really curious about the magic system in Ashes, especially moving forward. But I will say this about the theory crafting component, too, is uh, I have been theory crafting here on the channel a bit. And uh, actually, you know, some people are like, oh, this is pointless and all this and that. And it's like. Look, man, is it really pointless if you enjoy it? If you enjoy something, that's my that's my two cents. Is it really pointless if you enjoy it no matter where you're at? But I also think it's important. And I've talked about it here on the show uh, so many times. You do have to temper your expectations because the game is in development. And you can't make up your mind about how it's going to be without A, evidence, and B, recognizing that when a game's in development, things are subject to change. And those are very important. In my opinion, and especially, in, especially in an MMO, right? Things are always changing and evolving. Mm -hmm. I'll just, I'll, this might be divisive. I don't know how many like people play WoW in this, you know, community, I but I, 
<laughs> I've been playing a paladin in a while for 16 years, and they still haven't got it right, in my opinion. Okay, so I'm the king of tempering expectations here. <laughs> it's so true, right? You gotta so be it, these days. Especially. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, right? At the end of the day, uh, Rhett. Yeah, of course. Everybody knows that the only uh, spec that they haven't got right yet is Rhett. It's Holy true. and and only protection are fine. I agree. <laughs> what? It, just are you talking about right now or just in in the past? Because oh. I remember. Does anyone else remember the three six rotation for tank paladins? Maybe. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, yeah that mm. good times. Nope. Good times. Nope. Oh, that was delightful. I, I do feel like rep pallies were right. I feel like they were at that spot where it was almost there in wrath, though. I felt like it was close. I felt that's like the only time that I would say it was close. Yeah, oh, man. And then it just went downhill again. I mean, and I, that's the only way I played PvP, except for when <clears throat> shock again <laughs> were OP, and then I was popping you with holy shock to the face in game. <laughs> and it was a beautiful and it felt good and it felt right in fact it felt just justice you know like welcome and welcome in chat so the show's almost Honey. over friends yeah like justice perhaps lights justice yes uh, you need the effect though when you do that otherwise it just doesn't you all he was doing that that wasn't the right effect either Thank you. That was way better than I could have done it. Oh, that sounded extremely. like a whip, homie. Like, I don't know what that was. Or just... <laughs> <laughs> I think you're going, I think that's going dark side. That's like towards the, yeah, friends. Oh, the one thing that they did get right in WoW is the, the sparkles. Like, for the followed paladins. The, no matter what the class actually played like, it was always sparkly and shiny. That is that is very true. The the sparkles are spot on. They put a lot of men in dresses, and now we all know where Mist is going with this. <laughs> They're not sparkles. We're not talking Twilight vampires here, okay? Can we please just not? Come on. You all enjoy this way too much. It's light. There's a difference. Is my head sparkling? No. It's radiating. Oh, is that what you call it? Okay. I don't know. What do we call it? No. A halo must be a full circle, not just a spot. I know, man. I just I gotta I gotta really I gotta work on getting the shine. I think I just need an overhead light from now on, but that would just cause like a lot of pain, you know, in the eyes. I think we need Samurgan, like a, either a Dunir or a Nikua cosplay. I think you can pull it off with like the right angle with your camera, like Yo. looking down as if you're smaller. Yo. Yeah, you could, you could pull it off. That that Dunir, let's talk about some of those real quick before we, we wind down. The the uh, armor renders that they've shared. Oh. Steven, Steven shared quality. a few. Yeah, they're looking good. He, he shared the sketches. And then he shared the uh, he shared the uh, the Dunier, and then there was like that kind of Assassin's Creed, like sort of vibing, uh, kind of like rogue slash ranger sort of armor. Uh, it, it looked cloth armor, but it had like you know metal like that shoulder. Was, and, that, dude, I think that it looked fine, was, almost, like uh, like a a temple guard or something. Yeah, it had like a yeah, crown. It, what's it called? That armor is supposed to be the town's guard. Uh, one of uh, one of the sketches, at least. Um, at least that's what they're saying. 
Oh, really? I didn't hear that, but that's cool. That's cool. I mean, it looked kind of bland and boring, but I guess it was supposed to be either NPC armor or low-level armor, so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm fine with that. It's It looks functional. I don't know. doesn't blow me away. Well, I, I prefer the current art style that they've been doing, as I said. You know, it, it's very functional. It's not over the top. You don't have five million sparklies everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> right, as opposed to oh, light. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And also, hashtag bald is beautiful. Thanks. <laughs> At least you accept it. I mean, that's I accept thing, it. Right? Look, man, if I knew having a bald head was going to feel this good about five years or more ago, I would have done it already. It feels great, especially in the in the summer, yeah, bald is life, and it's a and it's a good life too. You think about the people around you, though. In the summer, I <laughs> am. Wait, what? Well, I mean, we talked about this. But... Okay, I get it. I get it. A joke, another joke about how the light is just—it's—it's it's so brilliant that it's almost overwhelming to the eyes. I see where you're going. Keywords are brilliant, beautiful, radiant. <laughs> Use those, not sparkliness. Okay. Can we just not not sparkly? Why not? Why not spark? What have you got a problem with the word sparkly, Sim? No, actually, aerodynamics is a great word. Towards the word sparkly? Mm -mm, no, I'm just saying I don't like it. There's a difference. Oh, okay. I like radiant, and I like yeah, aerodynamic. Like Laura Seeger Cash says, aerodynamic. <laughs> That's another good one. <laughs> so, you said so magic, right? Sim, how many subscribers for you to grow out like the little uh, abbots no. nope. circle? No. <laughs> no. Oh, yes. It's yes so please. please and do this it. is how we know we've reached the end of the show. It's gotten ridiculous. Basil. Basil. <laughs> He's gone. <laughs> I love it so much. It's a trap. Cash, you're going to have to teach me the way. I just don't want to take the bait anymore. I don't think we've ever gotten Faisal laughing like that before. It's good. We've gotten missed. I've gotten Daedalus before. Uh, Bard, Bard and Tavern. We'll get there one day, I'm sure. Faisal? Good. Good, good, good. But you oh know what? God. Look, they. there was a time when we were, as a community, weren't really too sure about the art design for armor, especially like around the APOC period. And, uh, you know, right now, oh, man, they are just really bringing it home. They're bringing it home. They've been bringing it home for a good six plus months now. Let's keep it going. Let's keep that flame, that ember, that phoenix flame burning, friends. Here on the Ashes Pathfinder show, we do that. We like to mix in a little bit of laughs. And uh, with that being said, it's about that time. Basil, it's gotten low. The show has come to an end for this week, but we'll always be back on Sundays, 5 p.m. CDT as usual. With that being said, let me go on ahead and do a quick round robin. Let everybody shout out their domains, where they reign, and where you can find them. Bartik, start with you. So yeah, twitch.tv uh, slash Bartik, twitter.com slash Bartik, youtube.com slash Bartik, uh, and I'm working on a Discord currently. Awesome. Tavern. Oh, you're muted, by the way. I don't know if you can. Uh, this darn uh, push to talk. But yeah, uh, Tavern Sign Gaming. Uh, 
it's pretty much just spell it out and you'll find me on Twitch. I'm also on YouTube as well. Still trying to get that uh that Tavernside Gaming YouTube name, but maybe I'll post that in a the uh, the chat once Simmer leaves. But you can also find me on Twitter at Tavernside Gaming. Um, I'm on I'm on the platforms. You'll probably see me. Um, so yeah, come check it out. One shout out we'll give though is tomorrow is Meme Monday on Reddit. Oh, yeah. Please post your memes if you think that you have a chance. Because if you don't know, I do a segment on my stream where we try to determine the winner based off community votes. So please, tomorrow it opens up, I believe, at 3 a.m. PST. So make sure you're posting your memes. It could be high or low effort. doesn't matter. Post them on the Reddit so uh, you can be a part of that as well. Right on. Daedalus. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at the Ashen Herald, and on YouTube, youtube.com slash C slash Ashen Herald. Faisal. You guys can find me on Faisal108 and on Twitter, Bagel108. Just pop on by, chill with me, it's fine. Your community bunny, everybody, and uh, Wondering <laughs> Mist. Good lord, you're never going to let that die, it's are you? It's too good. It's too good. I can't. It's beautiful. It, clearly. Like clearly. baldness. Okay. Continue. <laughs> you dare. You, you can do this. I believe I, in you. <laughs> Hop on the struggle, bro. <laughs> oh my goodness. Sam, why'd you do this to me? Because Every justice. Time, man. Every time. <laughs> it's not justice, it's sparkles. Anyway. <laughs> you can find me on my YouTube channel, which is Wandering Mist on YouTube. I put up weekly MMORPG related videos and content. You'll also find me, I am active on the Ashes official forums and the Ashes official Discord with the same name. And, uh, with any luck, assuming Sim doesn't just disbarb me, um, you will also find me, I will be back here on Thursday for the Looking for More podcast right. with Sim and some other peeps as well. 5pm CDT, we'll have a good time talking about all things MMORPGs. Yeah, it time. is. It is a good time. We missed last week, but... uh and we won't be this week. We'll be on on task again for episode uh, 12 of Looking for More on Sunday, or sorry, on Thursday. And uh, again, I, w- I just want to kind of put the announcement out there. We're always looking for more people on that show, but also more Pathfinders to join this one. We've got some lined up. We're always uh, looking to bring on more. You know, if you're a good fit for the show and you think you'd like to jump on and contribute to the conversations here, you just shoot me a DM on Discord. You can join that. Uh, links have been in chat. Simorg. Uh, so discord.gg forward slash my name you can be sure to follow this show twitter at ashes pathfinder you can send in mail at ashespathfinders at gmail.com join us here on sundays 5 p.m cdt or leave a message like our favorite tank that called in earlier at 1539-664-6801 that's our show ladies and gentlemen have a great week pathfinders we'll see you next week good night everyone good night everyone bye